On today's episode of An Echo of Glory, we're going to look at important things such as where on earth is that donut in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Ryan Mason's fashion, we're going to look at the win against Crystal Palace and preview the Aston Villa game with a former Aston Villa man and legend, Andy Townsend. Welcome to an Echo of Glory, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast that gets deep down into the minutiae of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, asking the important questions like, where on earth is the Lotus Biscoff donut that I've seen on Twitter? Cannot find it anywhere at the club. With me again, an unchanged lineup, Gary Diamond and Jake Robson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Right, before we start, have you seen this donut? Uh, no, but I want to. I want to see it and I want to know where it came from. And Gary, Gary's seen it. Uh, really? I've seen it. It was uh, somebody's walking around. They, they walk around with a tray. It's not an actual stool. Um, so you've just got to be there at the time that that person's walking around with a tray. But to be honest with you, I'm on a different quest because since the United game, when I saw Ryan Mason wearing that Tottenham hoodie, and I, I'm not one to deck myself out in 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 in, in, in football garb. I, you know, I kind of object to people that walk around looking like the club shops thrown up. On them. <laughs> but, but 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 he's wearing this black hoodie here with with the emblem. God, that is smart. It's isn't a very it? nice. Um, I've been on the website, and, and, and literally, they've all since that game. They've just sold out. So, if anybody at Spurs is listening, get more in because I'd love to get one of them. Oh, this is, throws out a question: If you were a manager, tracksuit manager, suit manager, mix it up for the occasion. I I like the ones that mix it up because I think that there's different different things. You know, I think a Saturday three o'clock is maybe a bit of a tracksuit, but then if you're Champions League, Poch had it right, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I, I read his I read his book, and he said that he would sit, especially at White Hart Lane. He would sit in his office. He had an office near the tunnel, and he'd always have a chat pre-game with Aussie Ideals. He always come in, and Poch would then decide when he was going to wear a suit oh, or whether he was going to wear. That's nice. I wonder what influenced that thought. Gary, tracksuit manager, suit manager. I, I kind of agree. I, I, I think there's some games where where, where tracksuit and and you know, but, but some games where it's more of an occasion. Like I think Poch had it right. That black suit was. That was, that do you think that kind of adds stress to the, always wearing a suit? Must be a big game tension. Always oh, in a tracksuit. Let's just be calm. Um, well, I don't know. It's like the cup final issue, isn't it? I remember Liverpool turning up at Wembley with <laughs> the white suits, the white suits, and and and, and they ended up they ended up to do nothing. But um, no, I think I, I don't think it affects the players so much. But I, I, I personally, I like it when a manager turns up to a big occasion in a good suit. Yeah. I think it looks right. It looks proper. Of course, now, uh, especially at Tottenham, I can I know that Tottenham do it. Sometimes the players are in, uh, I can't remember what brand it is, but some high-end, I think it's Hugo Boss they've got a, a deal with or someone like that. Sometimes they turn up in that and sometimes they turn up in a tracksuit. So I wonder if there's any connection between... Yeah, there must actually the be some players, thought right, behind today it. We're going, smart, we're going smart, today we're going tracksuit. You sometimes see in the hot European countries of managing like jeans and a t-shirt. It's like, if you just come from I don't know, lunch or something. Or anyway. So, sometimes they turn up in one, the players, and leave in another. <laughs> that happens as well. They can afford it. Right. Club news. Let's look at the week at, the week at Tottenham. Uh... Another trophy for the club. Uh, the under-18s winning the League Cup on the back of the 17s winning something recently. Uh, 21s relegated. We'll come back to that in a second. The women's team lost 3-0 at Man United, who who are a very, very good side. Again, the women have to be reading uh, probably next weekend to stay out that game. You can see as part of your season ticket if you're going to the Brentford game, but we will come to that at another time. There's a little bit about the 21s getting relegated. And what Harry Kane said this week, Gary, something going on at the club and Kane's comments this week really really interesting yeah I think Kane alluded to uh, the, the, the different feel at the club now versus what was in place under Poch by way of standards 
and so on. And um, it is interesting that, that you, you know, that there does seem to be a disconnect, and Kane mentioned that disconnect as well with the fans, in fact, and being really important to get to get that back with the fans. It, it's slightly hard to talk in too much detail, I think, for us about the under-17s, under-18s and, and under-21s. I, I don't think any of us here... What, you don't watch them? Well, I don't week. think any of us here pretend to be to be expert. Obviously, we've all seen snippets of the game. We've all seen the likes of Mikey Moore, huge talent at the age of 15. Uh, Dorrington at the back looks a great talent. We all know about Alfie Devine and so on. Mm. But but to sit here and talk about what has gone right for the under-17s and 18s versus what's gone wrong for the under-21s is, is, is difficult, except that it does show some sort of a, a, a disconnect that, that perhaps hopefully uh, uh, Scott Munn will come in and, and, and look at and, and the new director of football. It is crucial that I think as a club we are breeding uh, players to come through playing a certain style, a certain system and who can seamlessly come into the first team. Um, I think that's what the best clubs do all the time. Um, and if that isn't there for the under-21s, that being the, the, the biggest next step to the first team, then it is obviously a cause for concern. Jake, does it bother you that a club like Tottenham with the facilities we have and the stature of the club, that the 21s are being relegated. I've read that there are extenuating circumstances. I'm sure there are. Does it bother you that that happens? you just think the club needs to unite and, and, and sort this out? Mm, to be honest, I'm not that bothered in the sense that I don't think... I think the thing that attracts young players or even not young players to Tottenham, apart from maybe the stadium, is the training ground. And I think if the Tottenham under-21s get relegated for example I don't think it's going to necessarily stop younger players looking at that place and going I want to play here because ultimately I would imagine it's all about the first team the men's team and obviously you know people may be not happy where they're at, at the moment but they're a Premier League side at the end of the day so yeah. people are going to come to the club and say I want to be here and I don't think the under 21s I might be wrong but I don't think the under 21s getting relegated necessarily should have that much of a bearing on that and hey they might not get relegated Right, so let's let's talk about the men's team. One uh, nil home win against Palace. Uh, the team came out and surprise Emerson Royal in the starting lineup. Was he going to play uh, right back? Was he going to play right side of centre half? Uh, we weren't sure. Um, Bissouma on the bench also a positive. Uh, Jake, how did you see it? Well, I saw the team and I I suddenly thought, oh is actually a back four on the cards here. And the only reason why is because I was at the I was at the press conference on Friday. And um, Mason was asked whether he might go to the back four because obviously we've seen it once and it was a disaster. But they did the, the, the suggestion was by some of the print journals, might you go to the back four? And he kind of gave this look. He sort of looked to the side and then said, oh, well, we're, we're going to train this afternoon. We'll have to see what happens. So then when he left, all the print guys get together and decide what, what, which line, which story they want to go with. And uh, they're all suddenly looking at each other going, oh, is he going to go with a back four? And then, they, then they're thinking, well, he's not going to play Porro as, as right back because we know how that ended. So is Emerson actually fit enough to come straight back in and play in a back four? And when the team came out, that's sort of what maybe, maybe they were thinking and certainly what I thought just based on, on, on what they were discussing. I don't think anyone had Emerson as the, the right, of the Kyle Walker of the, of the Tottenham team. I think it was interesting because when I looked at it, I thought, there's no Kulusevski. Poro is going to be a direct swap. He's going to play right right wing. Didn't happen really. He played alongside Emerson. Uh, that worked really nicely, didn't it, Gary? What What I liked about it was straight away as the team comes out. I think it was one of the first times this season that suddenly my excitement for the game grew because it, it looked like a different team. It looked like we were going to try something different and do something different. And also, I was impressed with it made sense. Their biggest threat was Zaha. 
And this was clearly a team that was designed to completely nullify Zaha, be able to double up on him at the same time as give Poro the width and freedom to attack. So I like the tactical aspect of the decision behind it. Um, and, and like I say, the, the whole team selection just made me, before, even pre-game, just go, oh, okay. I'm looking forward to this a little bit more than, than, than even I was before. And what about your thoughts on Emerson Royale, a man who during the season has been booed and I don't think any player should ever be booed, but it happens. But then against Man City, standing ovation, cheered off the pitch. He wasn't in our five to go last week, I think Absolutely rightly. Yeah. And, and I think he, he's, the way he's transformed, you see this story of I've spent a million pounds on trying to make myself better. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure he's a million pounds better off, but how do you feel about him coming back into the side? I think it was a real positive. I think, I think just generally, we as fans, with the advent of social media, have to be really careful. In a week when Kieran Trippier has spoken quite openly about some of the abuse that he got online in, 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 in his final months at Tottenham, and he had a terrible season, but there's just never an excuse as fans to dig out players. I think it's abhorrent and disgusting, and it just shouldn't happen. And when you've got a young kid like Emerson Rao, and we forget he is young, and he's coming to a new country. It's a similar situation to Poro, who hasn't hit the ground running, but we're seeing moments of his, his, his ability. We've got to give these guys time. What I do like to look at is how committed are they? How focused are they? And Royale certainly seems to be all of those things. I also like things like, for example, him and Richardson going to watch the young mm -hmm. age groups. There's been photos of them. They're invested. Um, and, and, and that's all really you can ask for. In terms of his actual ability on the pitch, I'm not sure he's a right wing back. And I think all of us sort of said, well, he's not a right wing back, but he is a very good right back. I think he's a right back in a traditional 4-4-2, which doesn't really happen anymore. A hundred percent. And then I, I had reservations about him at right centre back. I didn't know if he was a good enough footballer, technically, to play that position. But he did really well the other day. And I think he's definitely somebody with a big future at the club. I think we're actually going to turn out to be lucky to have him. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. Okay. I don't, think, I don't think anyone was comfortable when they saw him at right centre-back, but obviously the way it turned out was was brilliant. I think the point that you make, though, about Emerson Royale, he's come from way back when he came from Barcelona, didn't he? So there's obviously a player there yeah. that you don't get into that Barcelona no. setup if you haven't got something. Mm. And um, he's come over, and maybe he hasn't been as good as we, as Tottenham fans, thought that, that he might be at times. But I think it's very difficult when you're constantly changing managers, different philosophies for young players specifically to come in. And I think that some of the others, we had this last week, I think Sessegnon might be one who's sort of suffered a, a bit from that. And, and perhaps Emerson might be the same. Maybe he hasn't been played in his best position. Maybe he's being asked to do something that he's not that comfortable with. And certainly, you know, as we, we've always thought that defensively he's, he could be pretty solid, maybe not going forward. Hey, maybe this is maybe this is the yeah. the way forward for Tottenham. <clears throat> maybe he could be. Maybe that back three could be the back three that starts next right, season. Right. So sticking with that back three chat, no Eric Dyer. So we all like Ryan Mason. You, you cut him, he bleeds blue and white. There was this talk that maybe he's you know he's mates with all the players. You'd assume we don't know that he's mates with Eric Dyer. He's made a big call. The call that we all thought should happen hadn't happened. He comes in. Dyer said a couple of poor games gets dropped. I saw a Crystal Palace. Uh, vlogger at the stadium I watched it back after the game and when the team came out he was upset that Eric Dyer had been <laughs> dropped now that may sound disrespectful but the Palace were wanted to see Dyer play because he's been poor recently and we all hope that he can turn it around and be a great player and all that but he's been poor he's been dropped so that's a big call for Mason and the right call I think it, well it turned out to be I mean I, 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 I reserve judgment until if he sticks with this back three for the for the rest of the season 
then I think we can make a call. Did he get lucky on the day? Were Palace not as the Palace that they have been? Let's see. I mean, we've got to be happy with it, but I, I think I think we need to see a bit more before we can before we can. But it's important to make those calls. Absolutely, it shows that he's not afraid to make the big calls. But also, is it easier to make those calls if you know that you might not be there next season? I don't know. Um, okay, so let's talk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm starting to think. This like, ain't just thrown together. <laughs> we win the next three games, and you know it's Tottenham Hotspur. Who knows what's going to happen uh, by minute to minute? Yeah, it's just starting to creep into my head that. I keep saying it, you can't, I mean, he bleeds blue and white. That's not a reason to be manager, but it's a certainly a great start. If Ryan Mason continues on a little bit of an upward curve and we, and we do really well, and it seems certainly Harry, Harry Kane likes him, that's so important. Where are you on, actually, could this guy be the manager? Or are we not quite there yet? Or is he not quite there yet? I think um, I... My, my 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 instinct is that in some ways I would be disappointed if next season Ryan Mason was our manager. With that said, as I look at the potential candidates that are being discussed, the only one that I think is an absolute slam dunk above Ryan Mason is Julian Nagelsmann, right? I mean, that, that, that I, I think that just goes without saying. But if I look at Ryan Mason and then I think Arna Slot or uh, Xavi Alonso, or, or, or whoever whoever else it is. These aren't guys with vast amounts of experience who have really established themselves in the game. And I do wonder at that point, if I might think to myself, well, if it's not Nagelsmann, would I rather Mason over any of those guys? I certainly wouldn't not rather him, if that makes sense. He is a guy that, that understands what it is to be at Tottenham. I do like the decisions he's made, such as dropping Eric Dyer, such as bringing in Emerson Royale. And you mentioned you know, the defence, maybe they got lucky against Palace, but actually the whole team seems to be pushing 10, 15 yards higher up the pitch. That helps us defend, right? It's what we've been asking for. Um, and, and against Palace, he ironically uh, uh, managed a game that I think would have been Conte's wet dream. It was pretty boring. few chances either way. Nick it 1-0. Nick it 1-0 with a great piece of forward play, you yeah. know? Like, he, he ironically <laughs> executed the Conte plan in a different way. There's something to Ryan Mason. This is a guy who both Conte and Mourinho, of their own volition, wanted on their backroom staff. Okay, They didn't need to do that. They weren't told to do that, I don't believe. They wanted him off the back of what they saw in and around. So he's got something to him. My idea would be that he would get a bit more experience elsewhere first and then come back. But if it's not Julian Nagelsmann, in context of the other managers that are being discussed, I don't think I'd be upset if it was Ryan Mason. Jake? Again, it sounds boring. I'd like to see how the next couple of games, the, the last few games of the season go, firstly. Secondly, I just think that you'd want him to get seasons under his belt somewhere. Yes, yeah, so I looked Spain. at Southampton the other day and I thought, oh, they're going to go down. That would be a lovely job. It's not for me to pick Southampton's next manager. They can call me and talk about it if they want. I think he'd be great to go in there. I think perfect club. They like a young manager. They've got a young squad. He, he's a, clearly got something about him. I wouldn't suggest he goes down to League One, League Two. He might go abroad. That can sometimes work out. I agree with you. He should go away and come back. But then you're getting into that Vincent Company situation, always just being lined up for the City job. Maybe we're not quite there with Mason, but you must be able to see there's something there. Yeah, I see there's something there. And I have no problem with him being the Spurs manager one day. I just And I have no problem with him being the Spurs manager now. 
and he's a great guy. And actually, I've been really, I've been to a couple of his press conferences. He's actually been very impressive. He, he, he doesn't, he's, he's towing the club line a little bit, but at the same time, I actually believe a lot of the stuff that he's saying, you know, sometimes you hear managers, you just go, oh, just, you know, stop. He doesn't over talk. You know, he's very concise. As I say, he's believable. You would just want the Tottenham manager, it's not a slight on him, but you would just want the Tottenham manager to have had a certain amount of top level experience. Whether that is a Nagelsmann, a Brendan Rodgers, even an Arnie Slot, even Javi Alonso has been the manager for, is it one season or two seasons? Leverkusen, yeah. Leverkusen, so he's got a bit more miles under the clock. Now, if you were to rank um, you know, attributes of, of a manager out of 10 or out of 100, does Mason's score go up because he's been at the club and because he knows the club? Yes, perhaps. But obviously, and whether you think that pushes him above somebody else, despite the fact he hasn't got as much experience, is open for debate. And obviously, the you know the club and whoever does the interviews will see. Personally, I would rather somebody that didn't know the club that had more experience. But that's just that's just my yep. personal opinion. Yep. <clears throat> so if Mason does do well over the next three games, you're probably going to be in Europe, whether that's mm. Europa League or the Conference League. Now, I don't think another season of European football. But I think that's great. I think that's great. I think the club should always be in Europe. I remember going as a kid in the 90s and it's like, God, are we going to get back in the UEFA Cup? Or we had one season in the UEFA Cup with like big hijack split or something. But, but and then we remember, Do you remember Martin Yole uh, when we finished fifth for the second consecutive season? We get, gave, gave a, a chest-thumping speech on the pitch because we'd qualified for... It's, and, a, good and, chest. And, it's a good chest. It's a good chest. <laughs> it's a good big strong chest. But, but, you know, and, and, and the crowd was pumped. We'd, we'd qualified for the UEFA UEFA Cup, I think it was then, or was yeah. it? Yeah, it would qualify for the second season for the for the UEFA Cup. It was big, so uh, you know. It, but there is there are fans out there who think, and I can I can see the point, not that I agree with it. I listen to it and I go okay, but I don't agree with it. The club are better off out of Europe. Where do you stand, Jake? On okay, the Conference League. Everyone laughs at the Conference League. We can't laugh at any trophy because we don't win them. I would want to go and win the Conference League. I'm not it, laughing at West Ham tonight. Well, exactly. They're in a, they're Unless in, they're losing, then I will. They're in a semi-final. Like, heaven forbid we should be in a... We've been in one very recently. Of course we have, the top one. But, come on, this is Tottenham Hotspur. They're in a semi-final with a very good chance of winning it. And I guess the question that you have to ask is, would you take West Ham... If West Ham did go on and win it, would you take their Premier League season <sighs> if it meant us winning... No, but we're better than West Ham, so we shouldn't we are, be 15th. But, that, but you, have to, you have to appreciate that could happen. That... You know, that's just a, a reality of the situation. I think a lot of the Tottenham fans that say we shouldn't be in Europe, as you say, they forget the days where we were begging to be in Europe. And mm. these, some of these That's fans right. are the same fans that say it was better 20 years ago <laughs> before uh, Daniel Levy and before Enoch. And these guys seem to have forgotten the days of finishing top half where that was to be, a, that was a celebration. Oh, we finished we're top half. That would be a good, that would be a good season. Now we're constantly competing for fourth, fifth, third, you know, whatever it is. Europe, these are different days. And I think people are very quick to forget. You've got to, you've got to be in Europe. I want, I want to see Tottenham. Okay, I, I admit, I will be less, I will not be that interested in the first few rounds or the, the group stage of the Europa Conference or even the Europa League. But you want to see Tottenham in the course of finals, the semi-finals of the Europa Conference and the Europa You League. can say finals because it does happen every now Finally. and then. <laughs> well, there you go. You want, you want to see us in the latter stages of these tournaments. I think the problem that the fans have is that they say that we should com uh, focus on the league. And the, the Europa Conference would get Gets in the, in the way, way of that. Yeah. 
And the problem with that is it gets in the way if you don't, if you if you're not prepared to actually play a strong team in those. <coughs> That's if a great you get point. knocked out early and you're uh, losing league games as well, then the whole thing is a disaster. You've got to say, you know what, we're going to go out to win this. A bit like West Ham. This is the problem we've had, sorry, Gary. In the past with the recent managers, maybe Conte Mourinho, we've got into these the lesser European competitions, so-called, gone away to these... Our away record in these competitions is terrible. Why? I think because we bring in squad players, fringe players, who know they're getting chucked in for this game. And the manager doesn't really care about it. And there's no there's no continuity between the team. I would rather, if we got into the Conference League, play some of the 21s, bring in some young players who should be good enough at that level to give them experience. I personally think we don't take these competitions. Uh, I think we take them too lightly. Um, but I know, Gary, you love a European tour, and I think you're very much on side with we should be in whatever competition we get into and take it seriously. There's a few things to this. I think a lot of those who are saying it gets in the way of league form are looking at a Chelsea under Conte who won the league without Europe, are looking at a Leicester who won the league without European football. And and if you had the possibility of, of looking into a crystal ball and, 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 and you know sliding doors, one crystal ball there, one there, and this was without Europe, and, and, and you would say without Europe we won the league, then yeah, of course, but we don't have that. So we've got to look at what is right for the club, what's best for the club, okay? And what's best for the club, I think, has always got to be European football. Number one, the coefficient points, even through something like the Europa Conference League, the coefficient points you get mean that you get more favourable draws when you get into the Europa League or the Champions League. And that is critical. I think European football as a whole for the status of the club is critical. I think it's important as an opportunity. You mentioned the changing of teams, but I think if you're going to have... A, a, a competitive squad you need to have 23 24 players any one of whom should be able to come in and be a first team player that shouldn't be a first team and a second team but i do think that you but it has felt like that it has past. felt like that but and that's that's probably the issue right is that it has felt like that but actually if the squad was deep enough and that might be the actual issue that the squad hasn't been deep enough and the quality of players coming in hasn't been good enough but if the squad was deep enough and you had let's say an emerson royal or a poro competing for a first team spot, don't forget formation, but you know, for, for a first team spot, then whichever one is coming into that European competition isn't saying oh, I'm here because I'm not playing on the weekend. They're here because it's an opportunity to fight for, for their place on the weekend or, or whatever it is. And that's the way, that's what Europe should be for a club like Tottenham. From a completely selfish point of view, one game a week, I'm bored stiff at the minute. I love watching Tottenham, right? I, I, I want to watch Tottenham. I, I would watch this three times a week. You want to watch Tottenham three I do, times like, a week. I love it. I love it. I look yeah. forward to it. I look forward during the day I'll be at work and I'll be thinking about the game later, you know? Oh. One game a week at the minute, it, it, it's not for me that. I, yeah. I want a couple yeah. of games a week. I want us to be playing. I want us to be playing regularly. Um, I think it's just best all just round. Just on Conference League, let's say we do finish in that position. We can't speak for him. If it is Julian Nagelsmann, does, does he look at and go, well, I don't want to be in the Conference League? Is that important to get into the Europa League for the, the next manager? Or does it not matter? Well, I think the Europa League over the Conference of League course. probably matters. Uh, who knows? I don't know how. You can't, you can't say how he views it. As a fan, you want him to come in to the club and stamp his authority on the club and say, you know what? A bit like um, has been done at United in the last seasons when they were in the, when they were in the Europa League. Jose Mourinho came in and won it, didn't he? Uh, Solskjaer got them to the final. I want the new manager to come in and say, actually, this is a chance to win something yeah. and we're going to go for it. And I have to disagree with you, Johnny, about the under-21 thing in the, the Conference League, for example, because I think that is taking it too lightly. And I think when you come up against sides, in inverted commas, lesser sides, the, the, the fourth, fifth, seventh place team from 
Belgium or wherever it is, they're going to put out their best side, aren't they? So that team's playing every week. Um, they're well, well drilled and they know what they're doing. And you chuck in, you know, 10 changes as we've done. You're putting just a mishmash of players together that have never played together. And then we wonder why we get beat. It's actually quite obvious because you're yeah. playing against a team that knows what they're doing and the, te- the Tottenham team doesn't know what they're well, doing. Well, that's a good point. I suppose you're a big scalp. I remember, when we, played, I remember when we played Wren. I mean, yeah. That atmosphere there was incredible. It was yeah. a really, well, they're a decent side. It was a really tough game. So yeah, that's a fair point. I didn't mean chucking in the full team. I just think I've looked at it in the past and just seen that it just seems disjointed and players looked a little disinterested getting chucked in for this game. When we played that Pacos Ferreira away yeah. from home, I think they got relegated from the Portuguese uh, league a year later. That was a shocking performance of a mismatch of a team. So there has to be some continuity to make an assault on these European trophies. But I think you, know, it, you asked the question about would Julian Nagelsmann, if he were to be manager, be interested in us in, in the European Conference League in, in the sense of interested in winning it I think we we touched on the point last week that any manager that comes in needs to be committed to the club for for three four five seasons they need to be building something and part of building something is is mentality right um and I think any manager worth their salt and 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 I'm going to be careful here because Pochettino often played down the league cup in the FA cup and, and top four was more important and I understand where he was coming from I think we 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 all do right if we put on our thinking caps but it could also be why we didn't quite get over the line with him because he didn't breed the mentality of winning. And even if it was the Europa Conference League, I think a Julian Nagelsmann would come in and say, this is an opportunity to win a trophy yeah. for a club that has been starved on it. Let's 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 really breed that mentality of success. And I'm going to be here for three, four, five years. So it might only be the European Conference League this season, but actually that leads to the Europa League next season or the Champions League. And it breeds that mentality of every competition, every game. Yeah. This is the attitude, this is the standard, and this is the level. And the thing that follows on from that, just very quickly, if, for example, he wants to play, I'm I'm not sure what formation he likes to play, but in years gone by, say he wanted to play with wing-backs, if you're going to take a European competition seriously, you need four. You need two on either side that can play in those positions. And we saw it, we Poch did it when we had Aurier and we had Trippier, and um, I forget who we had on the left. We had Danny Rose and we had Ben Davies. And the, they would, he would swap both for the Champions League games in midweek. Yeah. So he knew that there, we wouldn't be lacking energy going down the wings. I think we were playing with a back four at that time. But you knew that he was going to change it every, more or less every time. And that's an example of where you need the squad to be able to, yeah, okay. big enough to be able to cope yeah, with, that. with and that. He needs to be, and he needs to be backed with that, whoever the new manager is. Right. As we said... We're not going to get into Europe, I suspect, if we don't beat Villa. So let's preview that game now with a man who's played in this fixture many, many times. Delighted to now be joined on the show by former Aston Villa midfielder, captain, legend Andy Townsend. Andy, thanks for joining us. Good to see you, John. Good to see you guys. Cheers, Andy. We're going to take a look at the game at the weekend shortly, but I just wanted to start by getting your opinion on the situation at Villa. Emery coming in in November, at the time 14 points behind Tottenham. Now it's just three going into the weekend, a sort of European shootout. How have you seen that transition by Emery in such a short period of time? Well, I think that, I mean, at the moment, all the focus really at the top of the league is, as you can imagine, is on what's going to happen between City and Arsenal. But very close behind that, I think we have to applaud what Unai Emery has done. It is not easy. Lots of coming um, with at, at big clubs that have been struggling and not been able to make the difference. Um he most certainly has. The transformation has been, well, almost total, really. Um, and what's been interesting for me watching them is the way that he's gone about it. Um, he's a very experienced man. He's a winner. He's a seasoned campaigner. Um, 
what he has done. There are certain players that are notably playing now with a lot more confidence. But he made the big calls. He came in immediately and kind of went, Coutinho's kind of not really for me. That doesn't really work for me, that one with him and Buendia. Um, Danny Ings, Watkins. Watkins playing slightly wide. Danny Ings coming up in up front, trying to play him as a pair. That doesn't really work for me either. So he's gone for Watkins and Danny Ings has moved on. So he's come in and kind of made some, some big calls um, without blasting it from the rooftops. But he's, he's kind of done that, I think, quite successfully. And others have, uh, have notably improved confidence-wise. Tyrone Mings looks a different player right now. So, uh, so I think there's, there's clearly tactically a lot of what he's done as well is, is very good. But he's made those big calls, I think, within the squad and and he's stuck to it and it's and it's working yeah andy i think what, what what's really impressed me uh, about unai emery is that he he's only really added one first team player to what he inherited he signed two in january but only one's made a real impact on the team is, is moreno at left back uh, yeah. in place of luca dean if i sort of compare that to tottenham we, we had a similar january we've had pedro porro come in he's the only one that, that that's come in and made an impact uh, dan juma hasn't really yet had that opportunity but I guess the question uh, for, for, for me is, as you look at the Tottenham squad in its current guys, with, with, with similar sort of an impact from a manager like an Emery coming in, where do you think this Spurs squad should be? Where could we go with the squad in its current guys? Um, look, clearly the season has been... Has been uh, I, I, I don't know, I wouldn't use the word catastrophic, not, because you can't for a team that have basically been in and around the top four, the whole campaign. Um, but it's been it's been a disappointment. It's been a disappointment because I think potentially everyone can see that Spurs have got a, a, a terrific squad of players. They've got some incredibly talented area, uh, players in the forward areas. Um, so so squad wise, there's I think there's there's good numbers there. There's good depth there. But I think in key areas, you've got players, I think, that are that, that wouldn't get in any of the other teams in and around you. And, and without being disrespectful, I point to the central midfield areas. I think that's something. Whenever I've watched Spurs, and I've watched you a lot at home, I've commentated on a lot of Spurs matches at home. And they're so passive. They're so passive. They're, they allow the opposition to come and do whatever they want to do, sit and wait and wait. Look for that turnover to release Son or Kane or yeah. whoever else. Um, and I, I, I don't think you, if you want to be, if you're striving to be a top, a top three team, which puts you in a position to maybe attack the, you know, the number one spot. I think if you want to be there, you've got to go on the front foot a lot more. Now, recently when I've watched Spurs, I've seen them when they've had to go on the front foot up at Anfield. They had to go on the front foot second half. Mm. Nearly got themselves back into it. Unlucky in the end. Mm -hmm. Seen you at home a lot recently where I, I watch a first half performance to a second half and it's chalk and cheese. Um, there has to be a different mindset. There has to be a different mindset. I don't think up front when you're out of possession, you work hard enough. I don't think Kane and Son and, and those pressurise opponents, force opponents into errors enough at the top of the field. Because if you win, the mindset of Klopp's Liverpool was you win the ball up there and then and then one or two passes and you're, you're, in. you're in the box, you, you're getting your shots away. Yeah. Whereas I see Spurs winning the ball, turning the ball over 10 yards outside their own box 
trying to release Son, trying to release Kane. Yeah, it works now and again, but it don't work all the time. And it might work against Manchester City when they come to, to Spurs because obviously you sit and you bank up because they're so good and then you try and hit on the counter. But when you're playing others at home, teams that you should, teams that are notably inferior and you should be beating, you've got to go after them. You've got to squeeze the game. You've got to force the issue a lot more than you do. Um, so, so I see the squad as being a decent one. I think in the middle of the park, there has to be better better players. Benton Kerr's been a miss. I like Massive him. Massive miss. He's a, yeah. Huge. He's a, he's a talent. Um, but there has to be more coming from, from that area. And also the wing-backs. They've got to be far more aggressive, yeah. I think, in a Spurs shirt. Yeah, 100%. Andy, just back, to, just back to Villa then. A lot of Tottenham fans think that Tottenham should be winning the Premier League. What do Villa fans see as the kind of ultimate aim possibility under Emery? Well, I think, I think what they've seen recently would suggest that that for next season to be a top six team, I think that now would anything outside of that. I don't think there's any rights for Villa to assume that uh, that they're going to be a top four team. But I think top six, seven. I think Villa should always be knocking in and around those European spots. Um, the club aren't afraid to spend money, so again, it will have to be spent wisely, sensibly, and and and. But but if need be, it's got to be spent in quantity. You know, they've got to be prepared to 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 go and buy not 20, 30 million pound players. Let's be honest, 20, 30 million pound players nowadays is a toss of a coin, what you get. You really don't know whether it's going to work or it's not. You have to be spending 60s, 70s, 80s and, and, and upwards if you want to buy players that you think are going to go in and improve. And even even then we've seen teams doing that and, and that hasn't quite worked. So... So I think for Villa, I think a top six, seven place next season on the back of what we've witnessed, I don't think is uh, is insurmountable. I don't think that's being away with the fairies. I think that's that's quite realistic for you, Unai Emery's squad now with some additions to attack those places. Agree, and you won't just before we look at Saturday's game, you won't find a Villa fan that isn't looking forward to getting into Europe. We've been discussing this week and on the show. A lot of Spurs fans saying, we don't want to get into Europe, actually. We think we're better off out of it. I just want your opinion as a player. Would you want to be in Europe? Are you happy to play twice a week? A lot of Spurs fans think, oh, twice a week, we haven't done well with that recently. But as a player, do you want to play yeah. in the big games? Every even a conference league, even a conference league. Yeah, of course you do, John. And, they, and if Spurs fans are saying, no, we don't want to be in Europe, then look, Spurs are in no position at the moment to kind yeah. of think, oh, we're going to put all our eggs into a top four FA Cup uh, position, you know. Part of, I think, the process of getting to, to where Liverpool have got now under Jurgen Klopp, all right, they've suffered a little bit, but I mean, in terms of the success they've recently had, mm. City, etc. Apart from Man United now, this rehabilitation to get themselves back to where they think they belong, is playing uh, those 50-odd games a season, 50-plus, playing those European ties with a big one at the weekend in the Premier League, coming through those periods in a season where you've got six games and you're looking at all six and thinking, wow, this next this next four weeks is going to be so tough. It's going to be so hard, but we've got to find ways to get through it. Putting demands on players where the same team is played maybe week in, week out for, for a month, for six weeks, rather than just thinking, oh, I'll take three out and I'll put three in like Chelsea did under Potter, gets you nowhere. You know, you've got to be prepared to uh, to to go through those tough 
examinations during a season, I think, in order to get yourself in a position where you are ready then to, to class yourself as a team that can handle those moments and therefore get through them and ultimately come out the other side victorious. That is what I think, that is why I think Spurs fans shouldn't ignore, even if it is, you know, the Europa Conference League. Don't ignore that. Look at West Ham at the moment. They're about to, to play again now and, and, and it could end up being something very worthwhile for them. And it will only improve them, I think, as a squad to go through these periods, to come out the other side of them. And, 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 and I think it's very important for players and fans to understand that you can't ignore stuff like this. You've got to, you've got to be able to show that you can handle it as a group. And I think it's important you go through it, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You can't turn your nose up at these things. Just looking, no. just looking to Saturday, Andy Villa. A couple of defeats on the spin. Villa were yeah. excellent at Spurs. I mean, Spurs were poor New Year's Day, but Villa were excellent. Just thoughts yeah, on, yeah. yeah, thoughts on the game Saturday. How do you see it going? Um, again, as you say, you know, Villa have been so good, and they've just had it tougher for 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 a couple of games. Spurs, you know, again, are you're never totally totally sure what you're going to get. So. I think it's a tough one to call. I think it's a tight game to call. It, it, ordinarily, going into this one, um, you would have thought that, again, with Tottenham, with the forward players that they have, you would think that that, that, that would give Villa problems. What I've, The improvement I've seen from Villa is I'm now seeing a back four and a goalie that I think can, can handle and can operate against some of the very best teams and very best players. Before, Villa were always leaking poor goals, bad goals, giving away silly goals. Mings losing concentration at vital times. He was very prone to that. That has all improved. That has all improved. So so I think it's a, it's a tight game to call. A very uh, uh, close one. I'd like to see Villa do it, obviously, as an ex-Villa lad. And I'm sure you three, they're desperate <laughs> for your team to, uh, yeah. to get their foot to the floor and, 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 and remind one or two that, that they are a proper team. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Andy. It will be an interesting game. As we said at the top, didn't expect it to be a shootout for Europe, but interesting game yeah. now with just three games to go. Andy, uh, great to get your opinions and, and we'll see you soon. Just Thank you very much. Cheers, Andy. Great stuff, guys. All the best. Take care. Cheers, Cheers. Andy. All the best. Uh, great to hear the thoughts of Andy Townsend there, former Aston Villa midfielder. Real great insight there into, into both clubs. How do you see both clubs and how do you see Saturday going? I think in terms of Tottenham, Andy hit the nail on the head and, and was saying a lot of everything that we've been saying as fans and in, 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 in we want to be more aggressive, we need to be pushing up more, the, the quality of midfield isn't strong enough. He basically nailed everything everything that, that we as fans have been saying. In terms of Villa and, and the game on the weekend, um, it's a really tough game. Yeah. I, I think for a club like Villa that is a big, big club and has been starved of Europe, they're going to see this. I think it's going to be a really hostile atmosphere there. They're going to be bang up for this. They know this is... I mean, we, we were talking when we went up to St. James about being a Champions League shootout. Okay, we saw what happened under that hostile uh, atmosphere. And, and now we've got this, this, this Europa League shootout, effectively. Um, it's going to be a really, really tough game. For all of that said, I always retain belief, except for against a couple of teams, that we have enough to beat them. Yeah. And if we don't make mistakes, and if we play properly, and we focus... I believe that we have more than enough to beat these teams. I didn't expect at any point this season to be looking at Aston Villa and thinking to myself, we should be worried playing them. And that, and that might sound arrogant, but it's just a fact of where Tottenham are, right? And where we have been and where Villa have been. They've been superbly coached Villa, which is 
the biggest cause for concern. But but as we look at the teams, I say to myself, we should beat them. I'd be very disappointed to come away with a defeat. I'd take a draw, yeah. but I'd want us to really go out there and show what we should be really, and go and just beat them and get that get 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 Europa, Europa League nailed down. I think the Villa defeat on New Year's Day. I don't know if you were there, Jake. Was yeah, it, it was the worst performance of the season. There's some chatter that Conte should have gone after that game. I don't know if I agree with that, but it was really, really poor. So an improvement on that is definitely needed. Uh, Jake, thoughts on the game? I think we have to be happy with the draw. I think going to Aston Villa, they their away form recently hasn't been very good. At home, though, they I mean you saw what they did to Newcastle um, in the middle of April. They absolutely obliterated yeah. Newcastle. Mm. So I don't think we can. I don't. I personally don't think we have any right to go there and say actually we should be winning. We've got a very good record there. I don't know if that ever counts for something, but maybe, maybe. it does. We do. We normally we've had a good record home and away against Villa recently, apart from this season. Obviously. I, I just think the way that Villa have been playing. Where they are, where we are. I mean, and, and just looking at it pragmatically, take a point, then that keeps them well behind where, where us at the 100%. moment in the table. You so actually, not point. that we would go and play for a draw. Yeah. I just think if we end up drawing in the end, I think you've probably got to take that away. I, th- I think it would be a very good result. To, to come away with a draw keeps us very much in the driving seat. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I, I want to get Europa League sewn up. And I, I just want Tottenham to have a statement performance. We've gone and put in a really solid performance against Palace. Now let's put in a statement performance. We are talking about Ryan Mason earlier on the show. Well, actually, put your hand up. Put your hand up and go and beat a very much informed Villa team for the most part yeah. on, on their own path. I know we've done the Ryan Mason chat, but he must be thinking, I want this job. 100%. So this is the, these are the kind of games 100%. you go to Villa... And you win this, this game. This is where you put your hand up yeah. and you say, I'm, I'm, this is my actual audition here, right? I'm, I'm going to see us finish top six, you know, get get that Europa League spot and, and put, our, put our rivals, our, our, our competition out of it. Because the argument is, should be beating at Palace at home, you could say. Yeah. This is a different test now, 100%. completely different test. And as you said, in a cauldron, it will be at Villa Park. They're desperate to get into Europe. We've discussed whether we are or aren't. Their fans are desperate to get back into mm. Europe after a barren spell. Go there, make a statement. I think we'll go there and win 2-1. I really predict yeah, Tottenham cool. to win. I think that's twice in a row I've predicted Tottenham to win. That might, really be, a, well. yeah, that might be a personal record. <laughs> I don't know what's happened. Uh, I just also, the other t- all the talk has been Europa Conference. We're still in of the course. pole position to get yeah. in the Europa League. And there isn't, I mean, I can't imagine there's many Tottenham fans that wouldn't want to see us in that because you've seen how other teams have gone. Brighton have two games in hand, but they're two games in Oof. hand. Well, they were shocking the other day. Good grief, they were it's terrible. Hard. And their two games in hand are against Newcastle yeah. and Man City. So really hard. It's not guaranteed that and we're all of a sudden Arsenal. in the. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, we're, we're 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 the team in possession, as it were, and I think we, we I think that a lot of fans should remember that. And actually, getting into the Europa League, yeah, it's Thursday nights, but you know. there's no reason why we can't and of course you get into the Champions League off the back of it if you win it as well prediction uh, the game Um, 2-2 okay Gary Uh, I'll say a Spurs win do I have to give a a scoreline I'm going to say you have to give a scoreline alright I'll go 3-1 Tottenham 3-1 3-1 Tottenham. Okay, well, that is the end of another episode of An Echo of Glory. We are hoping for three points at Villa Park to push us into the Europa League. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>